And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys are having a terrific week and staying safe. Uh, great show today. I was joined by my friend Greg Price. It's always a great time talking to Greg. Uh, we talked about Bernie Sanders exiting the presidential race. Uh, we talked about all the latest regarding coronavirus. Uh, we talked about the statement from Dr. Deborah Burks yesterday that uh, anybody who's been diagnosed with coronavirus who passes away is added uh, to the death count. Uh, even if maybe that isn't uh, isn't accurate, uh, we, we broke down a lot of stuff, a, a lot to get to. I think you guys really enjoy it. Uh, first, guys, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Spotify. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. And uh, guys, please consider supporting us over on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash The No Gimmicks Podcast. All right. Without further ado, here is my chat with Greg Price. <laughs> All right, guys, we're here with my friend Greg Price. Greg, my brother, how you doing? Good to be back. Absolutely, man. And just so the audience knows, uh, Greg is uh, pinch-hitting for me on extremely short notice. Short notice meaning, like, five minutes. So <laughs> thanks thanks for bailing me out, brother. I really appreciate it. Hey, happy to do it. Always happy to come on. So, dude, how you holding up, man? How you uh, passing the hours and the days and the weeks, and, and who cares? Just been all holed up in my apartment working from home um been since gyms are closed i've been working out on my balcony which is you know that's that's pretty interesting and just going for runs and trying not to trying not to kill myself from being too bored but yeah man we'll get through we'll get through it we'll get through it i uh i don't have a balcony but i do have like a moldy basement that i've been working out in so that's yeah that's good that's a good spot too Six of one, half dozen of the other. All right, man, let's just jump right into news. Uh, breaking news, breaking meaning literally 15 minutes ago, right before we started recording, uh, Bernie Sanders uh, is expected to officially end his bid for the presidency today here within the hour. Um, I mean, he could have uh, suspended his campaign like yesterday morning before Democrats in Wisconsin waited like six hours uh, breaking social distancing protocols uh, to vote in the primary. I don't know why he waited till today, but, uh, uh, you know, Bernie lost again. Um, obviously, I, I've said before, and I'll say it again, I believe he's the most evil uh, man in American politics, at least since Woodrow Wilson. Um, so anytime uh, an evil communist uh, makes it official that he'll never become president of the United States, I think that's cause for celebration. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, I think the lesson that we can take from Bernie's campaign is that Tucker Carlson said it best when he called Bernie the lamest revolutionary in world history. Bernie, <laughs> Ber, Ber, Bernie always built himself, you know, as a guy who wanted, who, who was injecting new ideas into the Democratic Party, who was pulling the party further to the left. Yet during, yet he never learned the lesson from 2016 that you have to actually, at some point, fight for the things you believe in if you want to become the president of the United States. Like in 2016, he refused to attack Hillary on her on her email scandal he ref- like he said I don't I don't care about her emails and all, all that 
He refused to attack Hillary on all her other scandals. And in 2020, he let he was the same thing. He refused to go after Elizabeth Warren, say for lying about her race for half a century, as <laughs> as she as she as she was accusing him of telling her a woman can't be president. He was refusing to call her out on literally lying about every aspect of her entire life, and he he, he refused to call out Joe Biden for his clear cognitive decline. He refused he refused to actually fight for the things he believed in, and once again, he lost because of it. Yeah, it's especially the Joe Biden example. The fact that none of the Democrats, including Bernie, obviously he was who's been in second place for for most of this process. I, I, the fact that none of them brought up the fact that this man clearly has. I mean, I'm not a physician. I don't know if it's Alzheimer's or dementia or whatever, but he's clearly falling apart mentally, and it's right there, dude. It's 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 right there, low hanging fruit. Any Democrat could have just grabbed that and ran with it. Uh, and they would have been justified in doing so, saying like this man cannot, cannot, you know, be in control of the le- levers of power. Look at him; he didn't know what state he's in right now. He can't can finish a sentence, and none of them did it. You know, it's it is shocking that Bernie and the rest of the Democrats never seized on that. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, and you, you could always tell, even like in the debates, he would, he would, you can, you can tell that he's not exactly there. That he forgets what state he's in all the time. I remember. He, during the one debate when he said text Biden to 0330 and he like completely forgot the actual number <laughs> like this is like, like this is this is a guy who's he's 78 years old he'll be the oldest president ever elected and you know Donald Trump's in his 70s too but Donald Trump has 10 times the amount of energy that Joe Biden does and you know by like Democrats have found their nominee the problem is he can't complete a sentence I uh, obviously this does end uh, effectively end Bernie Sanders' career. He will never be president of the United States in 2024. He'll be 83 years old, um, 82 or 83 years old. So obviously he's, you know, hopefully he's alive and healthy. Then you know I don't wish death on on anybody. Obviously, but uh, obviously he he will never become president. I've I've called him the the Jefferson Davis of our generation, and I actually do believe that. I mean this this man um, normalized Marxism in the 21st century in America. Literally, I mean, his, his campaign in, in uh, 2015, 2016 started this this movement of neo-Marxism in the United States. Um, he's the most evil person in, in American politics for that reason. So I, I have nothing good to say about the man. Good riddance. Um, please go away. Go to your, your one of your three homes in, in Vermont. Um, I... It just a, just a horrible stain on American politics and the, and political discourse generally in this country. And uh, thank God, thank God, he will never be sitting in the Oval Office. Yep, for sure, for sure. And um, and we could also talk about how the, the Democratic Party, like I I don't really buy the whole idea that you know the DNC was quote unquote out to get Bernie. Bernie was out to get himself from day one. Like he never he never fought hard enough for any of the things he believed in and that that is all like i think the dnc definitely had a bias against against bernie sanders but at the end of the day the democratic party has basically solidified itself as the party of of left cultural elites while basically conning traditional voting bases into sticking with them and that's what the democratic party is now by by nominating joe biden as their nominee yeah i totally agree i totally agree um so let's talk about something that that really caught my attention during the president's uh, daily 
uh, coronavirus press briefing, and that was uh, a member of his his team, Doctor Doctor Deborah Burks, uh, confirmed yesterday that what we were all kind of assuming, but she confirmed it in plain English, um, that essentially anyone who's diagnosed with coronavirus and dies for any reason. Um, that person is added to the coronavirus death toll. So I want to break that down in a couple ways. Like, one, that sounds horrifying. It's not as ridiculous as it sounds at face value. For instance, nobody dies of AIDS. You know, like, if you have HIV or AIDS, you're going to die of the flu or pneumonia or something like that because of your compromised immune system. And then your cause of death would be listed as, you know, AIDS-related complications or or something uh, to that sort. Um, So that's not necessarily out of the out of you know usual protocols but burks said her language was very clear i mean she said it in plain english anybody who's diagnosed with covid19 who passes away is added to the coronavirus death count so it's like okay can you be diagnosed with with coronavirus walk out your front door get hit by a bus and then you're added to you know you're walking down a dark alley at night after developing a cough, you get shot in the face, and then that's that's a coronavirus-related death. I mean, is this helpful? <laughs> are, we, are we helping or hurting? Are, are we contributing to just freaking people out? Are we inflating the, the death toll on purpose? I mean, maybe she just completely misspoke and she's going to walk it back, but if, she, if that isn't the case, then yikes. I, I do not think this is helpful. Like, I, I'm not... I, I don't... Th- like, I'm not going to buy into this whole weird theory that somehow... Fauci, Burks, and all the other, you know, medical professionals, epidemiologists working with Trump are inflating the numbers to keep the economy no. hostage. I'm not going to, I, I don't no. believe that. Yeah, but, neither do like, I. But, but, but I get what she's saying. Like, it's this, like, Italy and the UK were using the same sort of modeling to predict for when, when they were uh, accounting for their deaths, too. But uh, here's what I think about it I think. They like Fauci and Burks. They're medical professionals. They 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 don't understand. Like I I trust I trust that they know what they're doing, but they don't understand how Americans are being like like how how American like American jobs like how Americans are being affected by the things that they're like they're suggesting like suggesting that we're going to keep the economy shut down for more than two months three months at a time. That may make sense to them as people who study diseases and how they. And how they and study viral pandemics and how they run their course like that may make sense to them, but to the average American who's going to be out of work for three months, that's that's going to hurt them as much as as much as the pandemic is going to hurt people. So I think I think there's just that disconnect there, and I think it's just it's a, like I trust them that they know what they're doing, but there's 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 that disconnect between between medical professionals and between actual working Americans who who are really being crushed right now by by the economy being shut down, and I mean, so. I trust I them. Think... I trust Fauci. I trust Burks in their area of expertise, but they have a very narrow area of expertise. I mean, we're having these daily briefings with with Burks and and Fauci. Why aren't we having a daily briefing with with some of the leading economists? I mean, like the ec- experts. No, yeah, experts come in all shapes, sizes, and professions. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, can we put up the David Stockman bat symbol? Is he still alive? Stockman, he's around somewhere. Uh, can we have a daily David Stockman briefing? How about Thomas Sowell? Can we get his ninety-year-old yeah. ass up there at the podium? Like, we we need experts from other fields, not just the field of medicine. Because, I mean, it's a it's a the threat we're facing is a three-pronged threat. I mean, it's the virus itself, it's the medical threat, it's the economic threat. We're plunging ourselves in the next Great Depression, 
And then also the, talking about the expansion of the federal government and, and the government potentially becoming tyrannical. I mean, and I'm equally worried about all three of those things. I'm equally worried about people getting sick, the economy being destroyed for years to come, and civil liberties being thrown out the window. And we're hearing from experts on one of those three subjects, okay? And that's, it, that's just not good enough. We need to be hearing from experts on all three. No, yeah, you're right. And I think at some point, because the White House has to articulate a, clan, a plan for opening the economy back up, because there was a story, like I saw today, like on the leading model, six states are now hitting their peaks for, for you know, cases and deaths. And we, we, need, we need a plan to open the economy back up, because we can't, we can't keep the economy shut down for longer, for like, if, if we're still shut down by midsummer, like we're, like our economy is going to go into a great depression. That's going to hurt. That's going to hurt more people than the actual, than the actual virus will. Like, like if if we're keeping the economy shut down for, for more than three months at this point, there's not going to be an economy to open back up. Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And And like, I'm not like, I'm, I don't, I'm, we, we shouldn't like, we shouldn't open the economy back up. If like everyone is still at risk for, for getting this virus, but we, we need a plan here. Like we can't just, it can't just be the medical professionals out there talking about, you know, this is what we have to do now because like they understand the virus, but they don't understand how shutting down the economy is affecting the American people. And I, I mentioned this on the last podcast and it's, it's not that I don't trust their opinions. It's not like, it's not that I don't pay attention to the experts, but you, you can't always do. And I mentioned this on the last show. You can't always do what the experts suggest. I mean, if, if, President Trump or any president, I'm not even talking about Trump, if any president only listened to the generals and the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the Secretaries of Defense on what to do in the Middle East, we'd be at war with everybody, okay? <laughs> like, doctors want you to be cautious. Generals want to bomb Muslim countries. <laughs> like, I get it. Like, I, I get it. I, you know, I'm not saying Trump knows more about war than Mad Dog Mattis. That's obviously not the case. Mad Dog Mattis knows more about the history of war than probably anybody living right now. But Trump was right not to go to war with Iran, okay? <laughs> like, it doesn't mean he knows more about war than Mad Dog, but you don't always listen to the generals. And if the economic destruction is, is outweighing uh, the destruction caused by this virus, even in terms of death itself— you know, maybe we can't always listen to these experts. So it's we have to weigh our options here, and we're just not doing. We're only hearing from one side here, and that that's the disturbing part for me. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. And and if and if we and if we continue, you know, going down this road, like if we see at this point that like we're seeing a lot of these leading models have like been overstating the amount of cases and deaths that have been going on, and and if we keep going with we continue to shut down the economy even more, like. Like look look at look at old manufacturing towns in the middle in, in the Midwest that you know got their jobs shipped overseas by NAFTA and had them automated away. Like those towns, like drug overdoses are, are rampantly high. Domestic violence is high. Alcoholism is high. Like as Trump said, like the cure can't be worse than the disease here. Like we need we need a plan to get people back to work and to get our economy open back up because like it, that that could have a worse effect on the american people than the disease can the great depression lasted 12 years 29 to 41 and it took a world it, it took a world war to get it, us out it of it took, it took a world war to get us out of it uh i'm not saying this this recession or depression is going to last 12 years and lead to world war three but if we 
if we have a depression that lasts five years or three years, the amount of suicides alone, I, I have to imagine, will be exponentially higher than the amount of deaths from, from the coronavirus. I mean, I, I don't know. I, 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 I can't say that for sure, but just conventional wisdom would, would tell you that the amount of depression and despair caused by a Great Depression, man, oh, man. I mean, if, if it lasts years, scary. my goodness. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary to think about. Some uh, some positive news. Uh, we should mention some positivity here on the show today. Um, and you mentioned the models that we've been watching constantly. Um, the, some of these new expert models are continuing to downgrade the projected death count. Uh, obviously, we started at 2 million, right? They, they projected that, that 2 million Americans would die, and then it went to 1 million, then it went to 240,000, 200,000, 100,000. Last week, it was 80,000. Uh, today, they've adjusted the models. Uh, they're now predicting by uh, August, I believe, August 4th or something like that, uh, that 60,000 um, Americans will die. And, and every week, they're downgrading um, their projections. So, one, that's good news, obviously, that the experts are predicting less death. That's that's cause for celebration. But also, and I get that these models are not in exact science. They're taking a lot of data from Italy. They're taking a lot of data from France and the U.K., um, from Spain, and from New York City, obviously, which is the hardest-hit city in the United States. Um, so I'm glad they're, they're downgrading these models, but this insane range, the insane swing— Back and forth in these projections, these projections doesn't necessarily give me confidence in these models or, or confidence in our experts right now. I mean, how can we be getting at this? I mean, sixty thousand to two million. I mean, man, like, what are we doing? Like, where are these numbers coming from? I don't really have any confidence in these models. Yeah, I mean, it's like I don't know, like I don't know which models to trust at this point because for you know you had you had the the one model from the epidemiology just in the UK that predicted, you know, that uh, on the high end, two million people two, would two die. Two million, right? And it was like I don't like I don't know which I don't like we the bottom we need a clear message here from the White House about how we're going to go from here because a lot of, a lot of states are hitting their peaks. Like we can't treat like some of these models were treating New York as a model for the entire country, and like New York is like New York is the epicenter of of the viral and of of the pandemic, but you can't use the same model for New York that you use for, for every other country because, or every other state, because, you know, every state's different. And a lot of these states are now, now that a lot of these states are hitting their peaks, like the, the white house needs to articulate a clear plan here of, you know, where do we go from here? What happens after April 30th when the social distancing guidelines end? Um, like we have these press conferences every day and we need, we need a clear message out of the white house. That's the bottom line. And we, we need we need to hear from we we need to hear from the other side, not just from medical experts, but how do we how do we get people back to work? And and yes, absolutely, we need to hear from economists as well, and we need to hear from you know constitutional experts, experts, you know, civil liberties lawyers, and people like that to see if some of these measures that state, local, and the federal government are taking are even constitutional, or even legal. I mean, I want to hear from those experts as well. Um, Another positive note, mm -hmm. potentially, and we, we talked about this briefly before we started recording, and it might not be as positive as I originally thought, but uh, something President Trump did mention yesterday in his conference um, was that he's at least thinking about withholding funding from the World Health Organization. 
uh, based on their the WHO's shilling for the Chinese Communist Party, um, and also being just wrong every step of the way. Obviously, they, they blasted President Trump in January and uh, uh, for shutting down travel to China. I mean, how can you be? Uh, how can the WHO get something like that so brutally incorrect? You know, and obviously, we we pay about uh, we give the WHO somewhere between fifteen and seventeen percent of their annual funding. Uh, the Chinese contribute about two percent, and they're still shilling for the Chinese Communist Party for some reason. So uh, they're obviously just a a corrupt communist organization that does not deserve U.S. taxpayer dollars. So if if Trump follows through with this, obviously that would be tremendous. That would be terrific. Oh yeah, he absolutely should. The WHO is a joke of an organization. The Director General, um, his name is. His name is very hard to pronounce, but his first name is Tedros. He's from Ethiopia. Before he was the director general of the WHO, he was accused of he was accused of like covering of of like shutting down data to viral outbreaks in Ethiopia or something like that. And he won his position as director general with China's backing. Like he was supported by the Chinese Communist Party. And now he has spent this entire pandemic saga repeating China's lies and uh, and covering for their role in, in unleashing the pandemic on the world. He, the WHO was advising countries not to enact border controls. They were tweeting as, you know, as late as January 14th that Chinese authorities had not yet found evidence of human-to-human transition or transmission. And, you know, the WHO has shown itself to be a, like, the, the deputy prime minister of Japan said it best, where they should change their name to the CHO, the China Health Organization. Right. And we pay a qu- like almost a quarter of their bu- entire budget for absolutely no reason. And they shouldn't get another dime of taxpayer money because they they can they fucked this up yeah. in a major way. Every step. And they of don't the way. deserve any money. So Every step of the way. You mentioned that Trump kind of walked it back a little bit. Maybe he isn't going to follow through on this. Uh, can you explain that a little bit? Um, well, yeah, it was weird. So like he said, he said he would freeze funding to the WHO. And then later in the press conference, he was like asked about it again. He said, because he was asked, you're actually going to, the, the person asked him, you're going to withhold money from the World Health Organization during a pandemic. And he said, and it was like weird. He said, no, I didn't actually say that, even though he did say it. And then he was like, and then he was like, we're, we're going to look at it. So I assume, like, I assume like, like there's good advisors around him telling him, adv- advising him on what to do about the WHO, like people like Peter Navarro, Hawk, who's a hawk on China. Right. And, and I hope, and like, I hope it happens because they don't deserve our money and neither does the UN in general. They don't deserve our money. Absolutely. Especially in a time like this where we're just printing trillions of dollars to yeah. try to. And especially during, like, and after all this is over, like, we're going to have to go nuclear when it comes to policy with China. Like we need to stop like China right now produces 80% of our entire medical, of, of our entire medical supply comes Insane. from China. It's, madness. it's produ- produced in China. Madness. Like we have to bring our supply. We have to get our supply chains back to the United States and we have to, like we have to hold China accountable for their role in this. And the WHO has shown they're not going to do that. And if they're not going to do that, what is the point of them getting taxpayer money? Absolutely. And I totally agree with you that we're going to have to fundamentally shift our our thinking on our relationship with China generally after this. I mean, you know me, man. I'm a libertarian. I'm a free trade guy. But uh, 
I'm I'm fine <laughs> with a little bit of protectionism when it comes to the 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 Chinese communists. Uh, it's just it's not safe. I mean, you can't have you know our all of our pharmaceuticals coming from China. You can't have our medical equipment coming from China. Um, I mean, their wet markets are still open. You know, the Chinese Communist Party is yeah. still in power. This will happen again. And most pandemics in the last couple decades have been China's fault. You're absolutely right that we need to. It's just unsafe. It's insane. It's asinine that we still have our yeah. supply chains running through China. That cannot continue when this is all over. Yeah, and that's the result of like years of neoliberal trade policy yeah. that is from the Clinton administration and the Bush administration that has continually sent like sent our supply chains overseas and have made us more and have made us reliable on countries that hate us to produce the majority of our, our medical supply. And it's unbelievable. And after this is over, it's time to end that. Right. And it, like I'm I'm fine with updating my priors as well, you know? Like I'm a I'm yeah. in in most cases like I'm I, a, like I Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say like yeah, I'm like I believe in like I free trade is a good thing, obviously. But we should not, not be relying on an authoritarian dictatorship no. that hates our guts to produce like over 80% of our medical supply. Yeah, like that, it, that is just ridiculous. And it can't, and we shouldn't be, it can't continue. It and we, can't continue. we can't keep, we can't keep sending, we can't keep putting middle-class Americans out of work and watching their jobs get outsourced to China too, through policies like NAFTA. We can't keep doing this. We have to bring our supply back to the United States. I, I, we have to fundamentally fundamentally rethink our relationship with China. I and if that means agree. taking on and if that means the government taking on, you know, corporations that like it when we send our supply chains there because it's cheaper for them, then the government needs to do that because it's because it's ridiculous. I and, was I was a free trade absolutist and now I'm a free trade absolutist except for China. I mean, it's like really, it's that simple. In the same way uh in in regards to Israel, like I'm against all foreign aid except for Israel because it's just a different situation. And like that, I I'm I'm a free trader except for the Chinese Communist Party. I, things are definitely going to have to change there. Um, before I let you go, man, real briefly, we have to talk about the press a little bit. Uh, and we talk about the press on every episode. Today's no different. Whenever I think the press has hit rock, has hit rock bottom, man. Uh, and there's been a lot of times since I launched this show three and a half years ago where I'm like, well, they've hit rock bottom. They can't get any lower than this. I need to stop saying that because I'm constantly proven wrong. I mean, these people have made the transition from incompetent and partisan to just undeniably evil. And obviously, I'm not even talking about the shilling for the Chinese Communist Party, which they have done. I mean, they've been siding with the Chinese Communist over the American government for the last couple months, uh, which I guess shouldn't be surprising. But I want to talk about the all-out war that the press is waging against uh, hydroxychloroquine. Okay, because this is just, this is absolute insanity. Um, These people are actively trying to get Americans killed to hurt Trump's re-election chances. Now, I I know this drug is not a vaccine and it's not right for everybody, but it's not perfect. Okay, it's not the be-all, end-all, but there's a ton of evidence. There's evidence piling up everywhere in multiple states that this drug has saved lives, that in a lot of cases it is effective in combating the coronavirus. But since Trump has been promoting it, the entire corporate press is against it. I mean, this isn't incompetence, man. This is pure, unadulterated evil. I don't know what else to say. I mean, this is just evil. My goodness. It's like they're rooting for death to own the cons. Okay, like... Just when I thought they couldn't go any lower, they proved me wrong once again.
Yeah, it's it's it, it. Not only is it evil, like you said, it just makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense why they've engaged in this all-out war against this drug that prescribed by a doctor in certain quantities can help treat can help people who are who've been infected with coronavirus. And I like talked, I have a close friend who takes hydroxychloroquine for lupus. And she said, and she said the same thing. It's like, like these, she said, it's like more dangerous that these people are questioning it and questioning it so much than Donald Trump promoting it. Because like, again, like they're, they're accusing, like they accused him of this, this crazy woman in Arizona getting her husband killed because they drank fish tank cleaner after hearing him talk about hydroxychloroquine on TV. And it's like, okay, there's a difference between taking an FDA-approved medicine prescribed by a doctor and drinking fish tank cleaner. And, but they know that, and they don't care because they're so out to get Trump on every single thing it does that they've now launched a war on a potential life-saving medicine. And it's just ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And, it, and, it, and not only that, but it just does not make sense. Last question, uh, and I, I, I held off on um... – even bringing this up for the last like month. Um, but I brought it up briefly at the end of the show on Monday, and that is how this is going to affect things politically. And obviously we don't know, and any any predictions we make now, I'm sure, will just be laughed at <laughs> in a few months, you know, just because we just don't know how long this is going to take, uh, what's going to happen. Um, but I, I truly do believe that the press adds about 12 points in every election to the Democrat. I think that's pretty safe to say. And um, President Trump's approval ratings in, in regards to how the administration is handling coronavirus were, were really good. They're up around 54, 55% uh, until the last couple weeks. And now I, I think just the press eventually get their way. You know, they just constantly beating people down, beating Republicans down eventually does seep into the psyche of swing voters, unfortunately. So, I mean, with the constant attacks from the press, do you think that this could be, you know, the undoing of the Trump presidency? Not that that's the most important thing to talk about right now. I obviously need to beat this virus first, you know, before we even consider November 3rd. But, you know, do you think the press is starting to win this fight? Do you think they are starting to convince people wrongly, in my opinion? Um that that Trump isn't handling this well because I think the administration by and large has done a pretty good job but um I don't know do you think the Trump that do you think the press is you know can uh, swaying people's opinions to the negative No I don't think so because there was a there was a Gallup poll from uh, I think a week and a half ago and it found that 60% of Americans approve of Donald of the Trump administration's handling of the corona of of the response to coronavirus. And he had a 60% approval rating on that. The media was also included in this poll and they had a 55% disapproval rating right. of how they've handled the coronavirus pandemic. So I don't think they've done a very good job at convincing the American people, you know, at large that the administration's doing a bad job because they haven't done a bad job. They've done exactly well, like there's an argument to be made that they should have taken it. Like, even though they had like bad data from China and you know, they had, China was lying about their numbers and lying about the disease in general. Even regardless of that, like you, there's an arg, there, there's an argument to be made that the administration was not taking this as seriously as they should have at first. Like I, I like I fully accept that, but they've done exactly what they've needed to do in order to respond to it. And I don't think the press is winning in that regard. But but 
like just just a broader point about it. Like I, I think of something that Joe Rogan said on his show the other day when he he had Eric Weinstein on. He was talking about why he couldn't vote for Joe Biden. Right. And what he basically what he basically because Joe Rogan he he had supported Bernie Sanders before this. Joe Rogan's you know he's he's a pretty liberal guy. Um, but what what he said was you're you're not actually voting when you vote like Joe Biden. He said the Democratic Party has made us all idiots with Joe Biden because people understand, and I think brought like most independent voters understand this. You're not voting for Joe Biden when you vote for him. You're voting for you're voting for all the people the people around him that are going to keep him in line because he's he's shown himself to be like not the guy that would be able to lead America, like make critical decisions for the country on on a daily basis. Like I, I can't see him doing that, and and that's basically what Rogan said, and I think that's. I think Trump's going to get reelected just because Joe Biden is not exactly offering anything like he's not offering any platform, like any anything different that Donald Trump is like anything that anyone would. He's not offering a better agenda that like that, that that Trump is like he's just he's billing himself as just the return to normalcy type candidate. And I, I don't think the American people are going to stand for that come Election Day, yeah, hope- regardless of what happens of, of what happens. Yeah, I, from the coronavirus. I hope you're right. Pandemic. I hope you're right. Uh, and and you very well could be right. And I hope you are. Um, the thing is, like, I hate that the election in November is going to be about coronavirus because, you know, the Trump administration is doing a pretty good job. The thing is, they're doing, they're doing a job. Okay, they're they're doing exactly what most other like if there if there was a Democratic, you know, if Hillary Clinton was in office right now. By and large, they would be doing the exact same thing. And if like a, a hyper conservative, if, if a Rand Paul or a Ted Cruz administration were, were in office, they'd be doing about the same thing. Now, if a Democrat was in office, there would be a couple differences. One, I mean, maybe we would be looking at like a national lockdown or something like that, which would be wildly unconstitutional. Um, but like that wouldn't affect me. In Ohio, I've been locked down for two weeks and I'm locked down for another couple few weeks at least. Um and then, obviously, uh, under a Democrat, the government probably wouldn't have halted travel to China on January 30th. They probably would have waited till, who knows, the beginning of March. And that, and you know, uh, 700,000 people traveled from China to the United States between uh, uh, December 1st and January 30th. So, if another 700,000 or 500, 400,000 traveled here in the month of February and March or something like that, the pandemic could be much, much worse. Um, in American cities that have international airports. So, you know, I, 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 I'm glad uh, we have a Republican administration in office because I think it would be much worse in that regard uh, if a Demo- in, in terms of the travel ban if a Democrat was in office. But when, when it comes to the experts, I mean, Dr. Fauci has worked with, what, four different administrations, Republican and Democrat. I mean, like, a lot of these bureaucrats making decisions, they're nonpartisan people. Like, I, it's not like if Trump wasn't president, things would look drastically different. They might look a little bit worse, probably wouldn't look any better, and most of the decisions that he's made would be made by anybody sitting behind that desk. I mean, I don't really think you'd see a major difference one way or the other. Unfortunately, the American people just don't... I don't think the American public understands that. So, you know, they're going to hold... They're going to hold Trump's feet to the fire, maybe unnecessarily if things get worse, even if it's not his fault. Um, And... You know, if if this thing clears up and the economy's roaring in the fall, everybody will vote for him. And I mean, that's that's not even necessarily fair either, because <laughs> you know, like the decisions being made are decisions that most presidents would make 
I, I don't think George Bush or Barack Obama would would make drastically different decisions. Um, they maybe would have waited longer to shut down travel to China. But by and large, I think the administration is making the the most of the right calls and the calls that just about anybody would make in these under these circumstances. Yeah, like I think, like I, you could put I think if you could put Hillary Clinton or any anybody else in there, and the response to coronavirus would not have looked that much different, except they probably would. Hillary Clinton probably would have, as you said, the she probably would not have shut down China or traveled to China at the same time that Trump did. Um, but I think there's there's going to be investigations after all of this o- is over, and there's going to be a sincere attempt by Democrats and by members of the media just to try and push the narrative that if Hillary Clinton were president, none of this would have ever happened. And it, it, it's going to be total bullshit when they try to do it. And I think I think the American people will understand that it's bullshit because. As they said, they've given all the polls have the American people giving the, the administration high remarks on how they've handled this crisis and the media very low remarks on how they've handled this crisis. I hope you're right. I hope the American public, uh, the American electorate is smarter, you know, and I go back and forth. You're seeing a lot of uh, you're seeing a lot of indications that they are smarter uh, than, than we may have thought. Uh, and you're also seeing people, um, you know, drink uh, fish tank cleaner. So. I don't know, man. <laughs> it yeah. could go either way. All right, man, I'll let you go. Thanks so much for doing this on short notice, man. We'll do it again soon. Where can everybody follow you and keep in touch and all that good stuff? Follow me on Twitter, Greg underscore Price 11. And be sure to follow the Daily Caller. Make sure if you uh, don't like news outlets that cover for pedophiles and shut down reporting into sex criminals <laughs> and, and, want, and want you to die just to own Trump. Get your news from the Daily Caller. You can become a Daily Caller patriot for nine ninety nine a month and get all our content behind the paywall. Look into all that. that. We got stuff coming out every single day. And thanks for having me on, Brady. It was good to be here. Absolutely, man. We'll do it again soon. Uh, everybody follow Greg. He's great. Everybody uh, check out the Daily Caller. And yeah, it's only 10 bucks. 10 bucks a month, people. Give them the 10 bucks. You'll be happier. You'll be smarter for it. Uh, that's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks. Um.